for that warm welcome. You've put a bit of pressure on me now to speak well. Oh, help me, Jesus. But it's great to be here. Um, I was, I have spoken here a couple of times, um, some years ago now. Some, who, who knows me or was here in those days? Any dinosaurs here? Amen. Um, so I always remember being, being very warmly welcomed here. And, and beyond that, you know, I, I, I travel a lot. And for me, it's not so much the size of the crowd kind of thing. It's the spiritual atmosphere that counts. And I've always sensed a sort of great liberty in the spirit here. We've had great meetings, great meetings. Hallelujah. So I'm happy to be here, literally. Because, you know, when, you, when you're an itinerant speaker, you go places and sometimes, you know, it's not quite so welcoming. And, and you're going to see, I was saying to some younger evangelists who I'm training up, I was saying, you know, it's one thing to preach to a crowd of Christians who kind of are on the same page as you and sort of generally will like what you're saying. It's another thing to preach to thousands and thousands of unbelievers who have, you know, and you, and that, and you really have to get it right because if you get it wrong, you lose them. The fish swim off in another direction. And, you know, you, you're going to see we're, we're doing these events in, in town squares and city centers. And, of course, every sort of sin that hell has thought up normally happens there. And, and here we are preaching and, and bringing the kingdom of God. But it's a different spiritual atmosphere. You have to sort of be bold in the Holy Ghost to, to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. But anyhow, I don't feel that. Only Andy's, Andy's, Andy's sort of big up is actually my only challenge right now to be able to um, fulfill such an introduction. Amen. Um, you know, again, I, I'm just here for a few days in England. Uh, I, as Andy mentioned, I planted a few churches here um, some years ago. And, um, but really, my, my call and my anointing is as an evangelist. The anointing, as you know, or your calling is not something that you choose. It's something that chooses you and you kind of discover it. And once you discover it and, and rest in that and don't try and be like anyone else, then the thing starts flowing, you know. And uh, so I, I discovered <laughs> that I was an evangelist and I discovered I was a certain type of evangelist as well because I, I was, uh, I'm an Englishman. My accent's a bit wonky, but I'm an Englishman. And, but I, I was saved in Australia. I was grounded in the word of God in New Zealand, I became a missionary in the Philippines for some years. And I come from a non-Christian background. So I came back to England years later and, and met Andy and started all those, those tent missions. And, and I remember because we, we had a sort of great move of God in the Philippines. This is back in the early 90s. And And, and I got the tent and I started bouncing around in my tent in, in the way that I do because I thought that's what pe preachers do. Uh, only to be told that I shouldn't walk around so much and, and sort of, you know, adjust my voice or, or alter my voice so much. And, and somebody told me that, you know, I needed to sort of talk in a, in a kind of HDB style, you know, HDB style. <laughs> and so I thought, that's it, that's it. That's what I've got to do to win the Brits, you know. And I tried, I remember, maybe you were there that day. I tried being like that, but it didn't last very long, thankfully. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, and everyone has their own way. Amen. So, but um, let me just say this, that, um, you know, it's always a bit of a challenge when you're visiting a church, and I have so much to say, I'm a preacher, Lord, you know, 
dozens of sermons here on my iPad. And, and you know, it, obviously the point of a preacher is to impart life. If my spirit and your spirit can connect in the Holy Spirit today, then something will be imparted and we'll all be built up and be better for it. Amen. Um, and, uh, but, you know, at the same time, you've got to say something. And, and, and I've become, I, of all the different things to say, you've got to kind of home in on a, on a message. And I'm going to home in on something that I just felt the Lord speak to me as I sat down there. Um, and, and, and that's the joy of being a preacher. You can sort of pick up things in your spirit right at the last minute. <laughs> and, um, but that said, I, I've just brought a few books with me as well, which obviously have other stuff laid out. So if you, if you like what I'm going to say, then there's sort of deeper, more thought through stuff on the table there. I noticed that I brought quite a lot of Portuguese books, which are no good for you at all, unless you uh, both speak in tongues and interpret tongues. Um, but let me just mention a couple of them here. First of all, um, I'm a great fan and been much influenced by Reinhard Bonnke, the German evangelist. And um, he came to visit us in Brazil some years ago when I started out there. And I've, uh, uh, just to sort of fill in some gaps, I was out in Brazil about 17 years ago for five years and then came back from Brazil. I went to the States to start a church and then here. And then I've gone back. Okay. And in that time years ago, we had him come down to join us. And... Um, you know, that, that guy, he's just got such a big vision. It, it kind of, it's you know, a little bit disconcerting being around him. And he was talking about how he wanted to win 100 million souls in the next 10 years. And we were experiencing phenomenal growth. We really were. Um, in 2001, we were uh, about 1,000 people. So we've gone up, you know, in terms of the network that I'm principally working with to, uh, to, to, uh, to evangelize, you know. And um, so that's grown, that's grown massively, massively. Um, but even so, you know, you get around a big dreamer like that and you feel sort of, hey, come on, this isn't right. I've got the same Bible and the same Holy Ghost as he has. I need the same results too. Uh, because, you know, God is not a, you know, he has no, pre uh, how do we say in English? He has no favorites, favorites. And um, so I, I, I was kind of tossing and turning on my my bed one afternoon thinking oh god you know as an evangelist you just want to win people for Christ uh, you know how can I win more and I felt the Lord put something in my heart he told me to write two books one for the unbeliever and the other for the believer he said write a book for the believers just to just to stimulate them put fire in their bones you know sharpen their giftings um, you know get them to dream and to go for it and so I wrote a book called winning your Oh, I've got it. Yeah. Winning your world in English. Winning your world. And the principle is if you win your world and I'll win my world, then to together we'll win the world for Jesus. And so if you're really called in that area, this will really, really put, um, how do you say, Holy Ghost combustible in your veins. You won't be able to sleep well at night for a few days reading this because you'll just be so stirred up to go after that. And the other book he put in my heart to, to write was a book for unbelievers. And of course, if you go to a Christian bookstore, you'll normally hardly find anything written for the unbeliever, even though we're called to be salt and light. And I think that's something that needs to be set straight or put in balance at least. And so I wrote this book called The 11th Question, which is a questionnaire, a spiritual self-evaluation test. And I didn't know when I wrote it, there's 11 questions, the 11th is the most important, but I can't ask you the 11th before you answer the first 10, and, um, and the 11th will determine your future. In fact, it will determine your eternity. Hallelujah. And so, but I didn't write, when I wrote it, I didn't realize quite what would happen to this book, but literally, um, certainly in South America, this book has become perhaps the principal soul-winning tool 
in, in, in the nations there. We have won tens and thousands of people. We've, we've sold, I think, over half a million of these books. And it's been bought by Christians to give to their friends. That's the point. It's a tool that people are using to win their friends. And everywhere I go, and I'm getting a little bit older now. Hallelujah. Not quite as gray as Andy. Praise the Lord. Um, but it's great because in the old days, I used to sort of come across people and say, oh, I got saved reading your book. I got saved reading your book. This is in Brazil, you know. But now I meet pastors who say, I got saved reading your book. And so this, the whole sort of generation has come through. It's just fantastic. So um, I've got a couple of those. Literally, they brought me out where I was yesterday. So I've just got a few. And then I've got one here, which I like as well, called 21 Days Imitating Christ. Um, and that's a great book too. That's a really great book too. Um, Jesus spoke about how um, he was given all power and authority. And so there's a difference between power and authority in scripture. And I feel like sometimes Christians get one side of the equation, not the other. So Pentecostal charismatic types, they, they like the power side, the anointing side. And, and amen, I, I love that. Hallelujah. And you get the anointing, as you know, by being thirsty for the Lord. You know, there's a transference. You, you know, you have your personal Pentecost. And that's so vital for, for any ministry and certainly for an evangelistic ministry. Um, but authority actually comes, authority speaks more of influence. And that really comes when you have the character of Christ. When, you've, when, when you walk in his ways, when you're separated from this world, when you're not after anything from anyone. You just want to preach Christ. Hallelujah. When your, your motive uh, is heaven when you're not looking for the reward or the applause of man you're just looking to serve and satisfy your savior hallelujah and uh, and so you know when you sort of separate yourself and have the character of Christ then that gives you much more authority here on earth because you're not after people's money or you know whatever you're just there to serve and um so I wrote this and it's 21 uh, there, there are 21 characteristics to imitate Christ. And, and I encourage people to do it over 21 days, read a chapter a day, and put one of the characteristics of Christ into your life. And by doing so, your influence will certainly increase, your leadership will go further, etc., etc. So that's a really, really fun book as well, a very dynamic book to read. Amen. Um, before I preach, though, can I just show that little video? Because it will save me. <laughs> times of explaining things as well as to who we are and what we do. Please receive this as a sort of way to inspire you, not to, not to sort of think, oh, well, well, that's Brazil and we're in England. You know, don't do anything like that. Um, but, but kind of dream with us. And, and I really feel that, I mean, like, like, like um, Andy said, God connected us years ago. And I take that really seriously. I really do. I really do. Friendships for me are more than natural things. They're divine things in the body of Christ. And God puts people together for divine purposes. And so I, I'm here not just to preach a sermon, but to, in, a, in a sense, I'll be honest with you, to reestablish a covenant with you today. And if there's any way that I can serve you in the future and you can serve us down there in the future, please, you know, I'd, I'd love to see things like that come to pass. Anyhow, just a few minutes and you'll see a little bit of Brazil. I think that's it. Hallelujah. Give a, a great how do you say in English? A round of applause for the Lord and what he's doing. Amen. Um, 
you know, we, we put on these events, as I said, and uh, we, we're traveling the whole country. We're raising up a team of evangelists, so it's not just about me. To be honest, I'm keen to train and delegate and, and uh, in my time, go to glory. Shout amen. Um, but we need, um, we, need, we, 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 we need helpers in the harvest to help us do that. And the way that the Lord put on our heart to be able to bankroll and to fund the events is to ask brothers and sisters to help us with a tiny donation, really a tiny donation, a pound a day, a pound a day. And literally that can mean that we hold massive, massive events. So we're building up a group. If you're interested in becoming a pound a day partner, um, like I say, a little donation goes a very, very long way, a very long way in the soul saving. We're seeing literally every event, we're seeing hundreds, if not thousands, come to Christ. So, so perhaps you can consider that. If you're interested in that, then also um, I've got a little pamphlet there at the back or an envelope. Um, oh, let me give these away. I normally give them away. Who's interested to um, get 21 days imitating Christ? You were the first with your hand. Well done, you. Any evangelists, budding evangelists here? Wow, wow, he was fast there. Amen. And anyone got a friend who needs Jesus today? Right, there you go. You can give that book to them. Wonderful. So Andy tells me that we're here till 2 o'clock this afternoon. So that keeps me very relaxed. Can I ask you to open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 8. And Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to see how much of this I can get through. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, you're in the right place at the right time, serving the right God. Amen. Acts chapter 8. I'm an evangelist, and we're going to read about the first evangelist, Philip. And Scripture says in verse 5 that then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Say amen. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Say hallelujah. Amen. Just a few things to pick up here before I sort of break it open a bit. First of all, Philip was sent to a place, a Samaritan city, a place that uh, you may well know was rejected by the Jews. Certainly the Samaritans were considered second-class citizens by the Jews. If you remember your church or your history, your biblical history, the Samaritans were a sort of an offspring of a mix of Syrians and Jews. The Syrians had come in centuries before, killed the men, raped the women, and started off a new generation. And they became known as Samaritans. And they had some sort of Jewish practices, but they were considered impure of blood. So they were despised of authentic Jews. But God, who is rich in mercy and abundant in grace, loves those who the world despises. Say amen. And so Philip went down there with one purpose, to preach Christ. Say Christ. Amen. He preached the gospel. He preached all that Christ had done to save men, not what man can do to be saved himself. Amen. And it seems that wherever you have somebody, a preacher, who lifts up the name of Jesus, who preaches the finished work of the cross, all that he's done, that God confirms it with signs and wonders. Say amen, please. Hallelujah. Because here we read that the multitudes, with one accord, heeded 
the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So there was something they saw and there was something that they heard that transformed their lives. Amen. And that really, again, uh, shows you what the work of an evangelist is. Yes, he is a proclaimer. He proclaims. Amen. But then he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he acts. He acts out, okay? He proclaims Jesus as Savior, and people get saved. He proclaims Jesus as healer, and people get healed. He proclaims Jesus as liberator, deliverer, and people get set free. Shout amen, please. And, and we read right at the end here that, our, uh, that there was great joy in that city, great joy. And um, I want to just uh, sort of break open a few thoughts here with you, because... Um, really, gospel preaching should always produce great joy in the hearers of the news because it is good news. And so really, if preachers and church services, if you have that sensation of being heavier at the end of the meeting rather than lighter or a little bit more depressed <laughs> rather than a little bit happier, then it's because you've heard the wrong message. And so gospel preachers, pe people who preach Christ, amen, they should produce an incredible sense of joy and expectation and, and, and relief inside of you so that you go home happier than you arrived. Amen. Hallelujah. And of course, this goes right against tradition and religion and, and sort of legalistic environments where often people come to church and I saw you all coming in this morning as I drove up and Andy was there with his cappuccino, jolly modern church you are indeed, and lots of, lots of smiles and chats at the door. But I've been to these kind of churches and people are happy as they come in through the door, but they put on their sad face as soon as they come and sit down and everything gets really serious and really somber. And then you hear a message and, you know, those who are sad, you know, get even more weighed down and depressed. And those who thought, you know, there was no hope for them, you know, go home and sort of, you know, ready to, to end it all today. And I just think to myself, surely we're missing the point here because the, the preachers of the gospel produce great joy. Say amen, please. And so I've got a challenge in the next few minutes Lord, you put a big clock there for us preachers, didn't you? <laughs> and uh, I've never seen such a big one. Black and white. And it's ticking. You ought to get a second hand in red. <laughs> and uh, so in the next few minutes, um, I, I, you know, I have got to do a miracle by the grace of God and get you guys to a place of great joy. Because that will show you that I preach the gospel. Uh, because if you're leaving in, you know, an ambivalent state or a questioning state, you haven't heard the gospel yet. Something hasn't been affirmed inside of you. Really, uh, we should be the happiest people on earth. But we know that out there in the world, things get on us and things get you down and there are pressures and trials and tests and temptations, all that kind of stuff. So really, we come to church and it's not that we're a people who need a spiritual fix every week. But bless God, you've got to remind yourselves of the precious promises. That's good for you. Listen to the word of Christ. It builds up faith inside of you so that you can go out and conquer once again. Shout amen, somebody, please. Hallelujah. And so... You know, I didn't want to preach anything particularly deep this morning. I just wanted to remind you of the gospel. 
Hallelujah. And not just so that you get happy, but I'm always thinking of people, how can I say this, through you. I'm an evangelist. I'm an equipper. The primary role of the evangelist isn't actually to do the crusades. The primary role is to equip the body to fulfill the ministry. So I'm preaching to you knowing that there's a whole lot of people in you and through you, a multitude that you are going to have contact with in the coming. And I just want to help you think this evangelism through so that you can become a sharper preacher, a more gracious kind of guy, a happier person, become more contagious in your ministry because I believe that uh, you're going to be used powerfully by the Lord in these coming days. Shout amen, somebody. Be a little bit more Brazilian for me, please, here. Or at least be like the House of Commons. Give me a few hear, hears or rah, rahs or Okay. So let's just think then. He preached Christ. He preached the good news of the gospel. And let's just think then uh, just about a few things that may have come out of Philip's mouth that day or in that series of campaigns. Who knows? But I'm sure he'd have touched upon these issues. And the first one is this. It is that no matter who you are, God loves you. Hallelujah. No matter who you are, God loves you. And that's, that's actually, oh, we know that already. But let's stop and think because actually you have to kind of be reminded and you have to tell people that. And like I said, the Samaritans were a despised people. So it was interesting for them to get a Jewish guy coming down to preach to them. Uh, they were shocked that somebody would take the time and the effort. And I know I'm speaking right, even though it's not stated in the Scripture, because Philip's great model and master, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he also decided to cross Samaria one day, and he came across a Samaritan sinful woman at Jacob's well. And she was shocked and horrified that he, being a Jew, would speak to her a Gentile. He, being a rabbi, would speak to her a sinful woman. But it was the fact that he had no prejudices that opened up her heart. Say amen, somebody. And when you're a person without prejudices, in other words, when you show that you love everybody, no matter their shape, their size, their age, the color of their skin, the language they speak, whether they're stylish or in mode or in vogue, you say here, or not, amen. You just love on all of those people and you're gracious towards them. That opens up people's hearts. Say amen, please, some, somebody. You know, years ago, I love telling this story, but years ago when I was a little boy, I was waiting at a bus station here in England, and bus stop, and I saw a piece of paper on the ground, and it was sort of all scruffed up and dirty, and it sort of looked vaguely familiar, and I thought, what is that? And I bent down, and I picked it up, and it was five pounds. Wow! I sort of straightened it out and, you know, cleaned it down, and I was like, and this was, uh, you know, I was about eight years of old, and so that's, wow, let's do the maths. Let's just say over 40 years ago, okay? So five pounds for an eight-year-old kid 40 years ago was probably about like 50 quid today, my Lord, I got that fiver. I thought, woo birthdays came early this year. And, you know, in those days, I don't know if they still have them here. We used to have um, sweet shops just for sweets. Do you remember? And normally I'd walk past our local sweet shop. And, you know, I'd be a window shopper. I'd be going, wow. And occasionally I'd have a couple of pence in my pocket. And I'd go in and I'd put the penny on the counter. And the man would say, which one? And I'd go, that, no, no. And finally, I choose one and, and sort of go out. But that day, oh, that day, that day, I put my fiver on the counter. 
And I said to that old man behind me, I said, I want you to start there. Do the top row, the second row, the third. Fill it up till it's all spent. And I went, I got two bags of sweets and I headed out and I went down to school and I became the most popular person in my class for the rest of the year. Shout hallelujah. Now, but here, why the story? Here's the question. Did, did the, the, the owner of the shop accept my fiver? Uh, it was filthy. It was crumpled up. Did he accept the fiver? Why did he accept the fiver? Because five pounds is five pounds. It has a value. doesn't matter if it's dirty. doesn't matter if it's crumpled up. Uh, I'm here to tell you the same with human beings. Some of them come dirty. Some of them come broken. Some of them come crumpled up. Some of them come from dysfunctional families. Some of them are street kids. Some of them are just messed up, whatever. Some people are prim and proper. It doesn't matter. In the eyes of the Lord, they're all precious, precious souls that he wants to shout amen, somebody, this morning. I'm getting stirred up as an evangelist now. Hallelujah. So here's the main thing, God loves, no matter who you are, God loves you. For God so loved the world. We've got to tell that message, it's such a great message. And let me help you a little bit with that word love as well. We know I could go deep and talk about agape, but let's think about it. Uh, imagine, for example, we've got lots of young people here, sat in front of me here. And uh, how many of you are single, single, lift your hands, Sing, single and desperate? Yes, yes, that's it, <laughs> right. We know why you went to Soul Survivor. Yes, we, we know. We know. Oh, to pray in tongues. Yes, yes, yes. You were praying with your eyes open. I know you like watching and praying. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot of watching and praying when I was young and desperate as well. Anyhow, uh, uh, and so, you know, just imagine, and, and I love Christian young people because we, we do, we have a different set of values. And, you know, and, and, and we want to stay holy and pure and get up the aisle in white and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it is our heart's desire. We want to be sanctified. We want to be separated. We want to be reserved for the, for the right person at the right time. And amen. And thank God. Thank God. Because I tell you, uh, you know, if you go the other track, it leads to all sorts of heartache and pain pain and problem and disease and all sorts of stuff which we don't have good, uh, time to go into. So amen, amen, amen. But the only thing is when, when you are single, you're kind of, you know, the fires are beginning to, you know, burn. Lord, Lord, I remember. I, 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 you remember me, desperate, yes. I remember years ago I was in Sri Lanka and... Um, I was, you know, you know, the cycle sort of comes. Men have cycles too. And, uh, and, and I was like, Lord, help me here. And, um, and I was reading the story. Uh, 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 um, I was reading the story of Jacob and how um, he had to wait seven years, work and wait seven years for his bride. And I was reading that and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, just as Jacob waited seven years, so will you wait. <laughs> God in heaven. <laughs> I said, right now, Lord, I couldn't wait seven minutes. <laughs> Thank God for the grace of God. Huh? Anyhow, I waited seven years. It's true. It's a true story. I did. I, did. I waited seven years. I counted it. When I met Sylvie, boy, I was desperate. Anyhow, hallelujah. Seven years rolled around, and there she was. I picked the first one I found. <laughs> 
she was great. Oh man, first one who said yes. It was <laughs> Anyhow, why am I saying all this stuff? <laughs> I'm using my time. Stop the clock. That's not meant to be on the clock. You should have time out here. Don't you have a time out thing? That was time out. Come on, that was time out. Um, <laughs> anyhow, so so you know, imagine you're a young person, you're single, you're, you're, you're praying a lot, um, you're, you're, you're watching and praying, you're, you know, you're reserving yourself, and, and you know, and I mean it seriously, because God has the right person for young people. Yeah. He does, you know, it's worth waiting, it really is. I'm married at the age of 31, hallelujah, and I'm so glad I waited, I really am for the right person. I've got a beautiful wife who I don't deserve, hallelujah. And, um, and these guys know that's true. These guys, you guys know that it's true as well. She's so stunning. Um, much better than I deserve. Anyhow, and, and, and so, but imagine you're young, you're single, and, and you're in church one day, a young single person, and, and you know, and the worship goes, and like, young lady here today with her lovely voice and all that, and, and, and you're there in the glory, and, you know, up in the third heaven, you know, and, and you're waiting on the Lord, and you're blessing God, but then just so happens that, you know, out of the corner of you are, your eye, you see a, um, a, a, a convertible BMW roll up in the car park, and a dashing young guy gets out, I'm talking for the girls here, you know, at the... <laughs> Here you are, here you are. The girls. The girls are here. Okay. The girls are here. The girls are here. Not you. You're well beyond. You're well beyond. And, and, and you know, and he, and he cruises in, you know. And he's not just, you know, dressed in Lacoste t-shirts and got the BM. Um, but he, as he comes in, <laughs> is BMW no good anymore? Oh, Lord. What, you, okay. What, what, what's good? Gee, oh Lord, I'm out of touch. I'm out of. Anyhow, he comes in through the door, and he's not just looking good. But as soon as he he hits the entrance, his hands go up and he starts speaking in tongues. Shalabahalabaha. Uh, that young desperate girl, she out of the corner of her eye, she sees this guy coming in, and there's already a little bit of a fluctuation inside. And it just so happens that there's one spare seat in the whole building that day, and it's right by her. Wow. And so the young guy comes and sits there. Wow. And, you know, and he's with his hands praised. And then the pastor gets up and says, say hello to the person on your side. (laughs) And, you know, that. And so he turns towards her. And they get that eye-to-eye moment. You know that eye-to-eye moment, huh? And it, but this is different. Oh, this is because it's like electricity being transformed. God, my God, my God. And so she looks away quickly. And she hasn't just had the image now of this wonderful, uh, uh, handsome guy. She's also smelt his fragrance. And he's wearing something French. We don't know what it is, but it's jolly nice. And so the service goes on. I'll cut to the chase here. And at the end of the the service, you know, it gets even better because... At the end, he says, look, I'm new here, and I don't really know my way around town. Would you be able to, perhaps, take me out somewhere for lunch? You know, to be honest, I think I might have seen you somewhere. Was it in a film or maybe a dream? And the girl now is just a goner. Here's the point. Here's the point. How will she leave church that day? Huh? 
Another boring service. No, she'll be skipping down the flipping road. (laughs) And I've said this years ago. I haven't said it for a while, but flipping is not a swear word. It's in the Bible, book of Philippians. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So why so happy? Because a young guy is there, came into her life, answered to prayer. Of course, I'm not here to talk about young, handsome men. Uh, I'm not. I've got a much greater message, a deeper message, a more wonderful message. I'm here to tell you about the God of heaven who loves you, who loves you, who loves you. And he doesn't just love you. He wants to marry you. He wants to spend eternity with you. If you think that handsome man is handsome, think of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Think of him who has the fragrance of the glory of the Lord, who has the beauty of the lily of of the valley, who is more faithful than faithfulness itself, who'll never leave you or forsake you. He is passionately in love with you. He wants your hand. He's looking into your eye and he will stick by you and share all of his glory and inheritance and blessings with you. You are loved by God. For God so loves you. We're not talking about a man's kind of love. We're talking about a God. The eternal one, the glorious one, being passionate enough to come and die for you. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. And the second thing, the second thing is, is, is so, so the first thing is no matter who you are, God loves you. And the second thing is no matter what you've done, God forgives you. Amen. Come on, we're going somewhere now. And it's so simple, but sometimes we need to camp on those simplicities of scripture because the gospel is so wonderful that any child can understand it but it's also so glorious that any theologian cannot fathom it you can dig deep and dig deep and you never get to the bottom of it it's so glorious hallelujah Uh, no matter what you've done God forgives you say amen please wow you know I I um one of the stories that messes with me most in scripture is that of uh we say in english hosea hosea it just shocks me it shocks me i've never you know it's it's sort of it's sort of right to a certain extent and then it goes beyond it goes too far the story of hosea who remembers that movie pretty woman yeah, Julia Roberts, yeah, remember, that's your sort of era, yeah, 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 that old, um, that old, yeah, and, um, and, and so there was this movie, if I've got my facts right, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she was a lady of the night, a madame, and, and he was a rich businessman, is that right, yes, and I can't remember the detail, maybe I close my holy eyes at the right, at the right moment, but anyhow, they, they, he ends up falling in love with her and taking her off the streets and da-da-da-da-da. And it's such a Hollywood story with a Hollywood end and everybody lives happily ever after and glory be to God. And really, Hosea is that story or that story is based on Hosea because you remember that God sent his prophet to find a prostitute and to marry her. And that's kind of wild because 
uh, you know, the people of Israel, they, 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 they were meant to be holy. The prophets of the Lord, they, they stood before the people to represent the, the holiness of God, the standards of God. And yet God says to his man, go into the streets and marry a prostitute. And so he does it. And it must have been a kind of, I mean, maybe she was very pretty, but it must have been a challenge to his flesh, to his upbringing, to every you know, part of him that you know, spoke of good sense. After all, where had this girl been? You know, and with how many? And wow, you know, come on, he's a man. He thinks this way. And, and so he goes off and he marries her. And you think that the book of Hosea is going to end there. But it doesn't. That's the problem with it. Because if you remember... Uh, she goes, Goma, the name of the girl, she goes back to the world. Let me just stop. Let's just think about the first part. Why does God do that? Well, to show that he is a God who is rich in mercy and abundant in grace towards sinners. Yes. Uh, The prophet represented the Lord, but the prostitute represented you and me and every human being that's ever existed. We have prostituted ourselves to the idols and the gods of this world. We have polluted ourselves, contaminated ourselves, gone our own way. But God sent his son to seek us out and to bring us home. And not just that, to marry us and to share in all his wonder and glory with us. That's, that's good enough in itself. Please say amen. amen. Hallelujah. I mean, that's good enough, isn't it? Let's, let's stop there. That's the end of the preach. Let's all go home. I mean, it is. We're all happy just on that. But God is not just gracious. He's super abundant gracious. It's a different, you know, like I said, it's not just um, amor, love, love phileo, love erotico. No, it is love agape. It's that super abundant, everlasting, eternal, unconditional love that really goes so far beyond even what we can think or imagine or anything can enter into our hearts because the story says that Goma headed back to the world, headed back to the streets, headed back to those men, my God, and prostituted herself again. And you think now, now, well, this is it. Now, now the fire of God's coming. It's all over. Let's, you know, fry her, fry her. Because, you know, she, she tasted of the grace. And now she's returned like a dog to his own vomit. It's time for judgment. It's time for the severe hand of the Lord to come down and put fear into the hearts of the rest of human beings as to what will happen to them if they do not respond correctly to this message that we have for them. And to be honest, think about it. That's what I've just said, kind of joking, is a lot what you hear in pulpits today. Mm. But if you preach that message, my friend, what do you produce? Fear, not faith. Uh, Because the story doesn't end there. God sends his prophet one more time. Say one more time. And he goes down to the streets. And this time he puts money on the table. And he purchases that wayward woman and brings her home again. Shout amen, somebody. 
Hallelujah. I'm talking about the love of God. I'm talking about the forgiveness of God. And here's the glory of it. God, no matter what you've done, God forgives you. But also, no matter what you do, God forgives you. Because his salvation is eternal. You are under a fountain. You are under a shower of the blood of Jesus that washes away all of your sins once and forever. It's a done deal. It's a finished work. It's a glorious thing. You have a secure purity once you confess Christ Jesus say amen. amen because if not think about it you would wake up every morning thinking oh my lord if I sin I'll go to hell God will just no you don't need to wake up that way remember the words of the apostle John I would that you would not sin obviously not it doesn't do anyone any favors least of all yourself and especially sexual sin Wow, the marriage bed is holy. Say amen. Huh? Young people, please, I can save you a lifetime of heartache and pain if you would listen to these wonderful standards. The Ten Commandments are not bad things. Huh? The law of God is good and holy and perfect. They're like, you know, the Ten Commandments are like two lines on the side of the road that give you direction in life. And as you walk along that road, you, you experience peace and prosperity and blessings but if you cross the lines you fall in the pit and 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 in the ditch and you will have problems and friends will have problems so please walk the straight and narrow yes please but here's the big but here's the wonder of the scripture if you do sin I would that you would not but we're weak we're fallen we're subject to Tests and trials and temptations. And no matter your religious zeal when you're in the Holy Ghost in a soul survivor revival meeting, there's going to come a low moment when Satan is crouching at the door ready to spring. And sadly, sadly, you may have a fit of carnality. Sadly, we don't want you to. But if you do, we've got good news for you. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who has paid the price for all of your sins. Say amen, somebody. You're free. Say to your neighbor, you're free. You're free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, Christianity, if you think about it, is the only religion that gives freedom to fail. Uh, have you ever, a child that's brought up in a house where there's no freedom to fail, is it becomes oppressed, becomes an emotionally imbalanced child. They become timid, insecure, problematic. Uh, they need to be raised in, in households where if they mess up, the hammer doesn't come down on them. You know, yes, mom and dad practice, you know, firm, showing them what's right and wrong, but there's grace, there's love. You're still my son. You haven't been excommunicated. Uh, amen. Say, say amen, please, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, no matter what you've done, uh, you are forgiven in Christ Jesus. No matter what you do, you are still forgiven in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm, I'm happy to be here in Bournemouth, in England. I flew into Gatwick over the farmer's fields, the beautiful manicured lawns. I'd just come out of Sao Paulo. 
And Sao Paulo is literally acres and acres, miles and miles of high rises and filth and slum and all the rest. I flew into Gatwick, wow, on a sunny afternoon. And I love, I love the driving around the country lanes here because you see the cricket pitches. These things you don't, you guys don't, don't see them. I see them because I miss them. You know, cricket pitches, rugby. I'm a rugby man. I'm a rugby. Man. I love rugby, and and cricket. You saw the third test. This is timeout, by the way. Timeout. Third test. Whoa, woof, wow, wow, fantastic. And and um, anyhow, I used to love playing rugby, and I particularly like playing rugby when I, you know, in those days when it was wet and soggy, uh, and you tackle, and you get tackled, and you throw yourself around, and at the beginning of the game, you know, you know who's on whose side, you know, the blues and the reds, but at the end of the game, everybody's coated in mud from head to toe, you have no idea what's going, you're just grabbing people, you're just kicking and whacking, and, and you know, and you, and you come off the field, and, and, and I joke with the Brazilians, because they're such a bunch of girls there. I mean, <laughs> scrub the tape, but my Lord, these footballers, they, you know, you touch them and they fall down. Where's the magic sponge, I want to know? Get up and run. <laughs> anyhow, so I keep trying to tell them about rugby and they kind of look at me. And, and, and so anyhow, I love that rugby. You, you come off the field, you're covered in mud from head to toe, you know, you, you, there's blood coming out of your eyes and, you know, limbs sort of hanging in places they shouldn't. But we're not going to leave the field for nothing, no. <laughs> and, and you have this, I mean, one of the great things about rugby is, is actually the aftermatch moment. Because you're cold, you're spent, you're tired, you're sweaty, whatever. And you come into the changing room. And I don't know if it's still the same. But in, 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 when I was a boy, boy, Lord, I'm saying it. Uh, uh, we had these communal showers. Do, do you still have that here? Or, or it's too dangerous to do that these days. You never know. You never know. Uh, so anyhow, we had these communal showers. And, and so all the boys were going, that showers. And we get the shampoo. And we used to have big showers. Always the showers in rugby changing room. I don't know why, but they're so much better than home showers. I fought with your shower this morning. Blah. I broke the soap thing. I'll tell you later. I'll repent of my sin. <laughs> couldn't get the water in. Couldn't get the water out. Broke the soap thing. And Lord, that's why I'm late. It's your fault. Anyhow, they have these, these big showers and you kind of get under them. And they're so great because, you know, you could be filthy, but it just washes all the mud and sweat and yuck down that drain hole. And then you come out into the changing room and you... You put on your, your, your deodorants and your aftershave, brush your hair, nice clean clothes. And of course, rugby, you always go afterwards and you sit down around a big, long table and with your mates and with the opposition too, because it's rugby, not football. And we're all mates in the end. Hallelujah. And, um, and, and you have that terrific sensation of filling up your belly with nice, a hot meal and clean clothes and just fresh again and you've done your best. It's just a, who, who knows that sensation? Who knows that? Isn't that just a great sensation? Hallelujah. Well, I'm not obviously talking about rugby here. I'm a preacher. But if you feel that sensation that you get from washing with shampoo and soap, uh, uh, if, you, if you get happy with that sensation, I'm here to tell you of a much greater cleansing. 
I'm here to tell you that the blood of Jesus washes every single sin, every piece of muck, no matter how filthy, no matter how, how often, no matter how ashamed you would be if it was exposed. The blood of Jesus is a divine shower upon you and it, not, it doesn't just remove it from you, it washes it down the plug hole of eternity so that God has no memory of it. You are clean, say amen somebody. You are washed, say amen somebody. And you smell pretty good as well. Tell somebody you smell a lot better today than you did before. Shout amen somebody. I'm just preaching the gospel today in kind of an English way. In English, I've been waiting to give that rugby example. The Brazilians don't get it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just jump to one or two more things in the gospel message because we can. Hallelujah. God's salvation, or no matter, you, you see I'm doing these no matters. So no, matters, no matter who you are, God loves you. No matter what you've done, God's forgiven you. No matter what you do, God's forgiven you. Amen. And no matter your need, God's salvation package provides for it. Oh, just one yep. Come on now. And that's the glory. I mean, here, obviously, Philip mostly is dealing with healings and deliverances. But really, why, why, why those, just those two things mentioned in Scripture? Because they're kind of like the most important. Hello. I mean, think about it. You could be as wealthy as, you know, whoever. Uh, but if you're sick, you ain't going to enjoy any of that wealth. Isn't that right? You could be driving around in a Jag. But if you're not feeling good, you ain't going to enjoy the Jag. You could be staying in a five-star hotel. But it doesn't matter. So sickness kind of, sickness is really the beginnings of death in your life, isn't it? And you just can't get comfortable. You can't get right. And everything else is irrelevant whilst you're sick. You just want to get healed. Say Amen. And the same with, with oppression and possession. I mean, what a life of misery when somebody else is doing the thinking in your head the whole time. Hello, that's what ha happens when you get possessed by demon spirits. And, you know, you, you have inclinations, uh, vices, what do we say, uh, addictions, addictions to things that you can't break because there's a spiritual demonic power involved and even in your moments of lucidity you you lucidity you you want to um you know you want to break free and you see the light but you can't because you're held back by that spirit that's a life of misery say amen you know i was preaching in madrid some years ago now and and um I had done a weekend's meetings and it was Sunday night and I, it was while I was living in England and I wanted to catch the midnight plane back to London so I could get home to be with my wife. You know how it is when you travel a lot. And, um, and, and so the meeting started and, the, and I preached and the move of God kind of, you know, the power of God came down and a lot of people were being touched and healed and blessed and, and I thought, great, hallelujah. But I'm looking at the clock the whole time thinking, I've got to get to the airport, I've got to get to the airport, I've got to get to the airport. And so I, you know, I try and shut down the meeting, but as soon as I got back into the platform, something else happened. And, I, you know, and I'm thinking, look, all well and good, Lord, but I want to go home, <laughs> you know. And so I tried to shut the, 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 the meeting down, and I'm learning to be a little bit sensitive to the Holy Spirit's direction. And I just knew that there was stuff that he still wanted to do. And, you know, okay, I'll carry my cross if necessary, Lord. 
and I thought, well, let me help you on the, let me help you do whatever you need to do. So I descended. It was a church of about 500 people. So I descended once again from the pulpit, walked in amongst the crowd, and suddenly I came in front of a lady who must have been, I don't know, in her 70s. And as soon as I stopped in front of her, she began to manifest, you know, as, as demons do. And she fell on the ground, and I cast the devils out, as we do. But the interesting thing was that her husband began to cry copiously. And I said to him, I said, you know, what's going on? And he said, Pastor, you, you don't realize, but my wife has been possessed by demons for 40 years and it's just caused so much problem in her life and in our married life. He said, and nobody has ever been able to cast them out. But tonight, she got set free. Hallelujah. Say amen, somebody. I don't know why they came out that night, but they came out. But I got on the plane that night, and I was heading back home, got to the airport. And I was just thanking God as I sat there, you know, in my seat. And I was thinking, oh, God, that's so good. That's so good. I just love serving the Lord. It's so good because 40 years is a long time of suffering. It is. And just because I lingered a bit longer and you helped me to just rest in you and all that kind of stuff and somehow you used me, I don't know how and I don't know why, but anyhow, and now she's free. And that guy, that guy who'd been praying and hoping and wishing can at least have a twilight in his married life of romance and peace and blessing in his marriage. Say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. I tell you, we need to preach the whole gospel. I'm teaching lots of evangelists now in Brazil. I just had a, uh, I called it an immersion, a one week with me. It's pretty tough, isn't it? Lord, don't know how they got through. Um, but we put them all in a camp outside of one of the big cities there. And we had training in the day and and then at night, we did three crusades and three revival meetings. And, and um, anyhow, so these, these guys are, are all getting, getting trained up in these, you know, to, to, to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. We're trying to multiply this thing. Because there is so much sickness and suffering out there. There is. There is. And we've got the solution. Shout amen. amen. Come on, I'm being evangelistic today. <laughs> And hallelujah. And, and you know, so, so if we've got the solution, let's go for it. But one of the things I say to these younger evangelists, I say, look, watch what I do. Because at the beginning of all my meetings, when I'm doing a public meeting, a crusade, we, you know, you call them. Uh, you know, I start and I say, look, tonight Jesus is going to save people. And tonight Jesus is going to heal people. And tonight Jesus is going to set people free. And tonight you may have come here addicted to drugs, but you're going to go home completely free tonight. And I declare. Declare. I just declare. And that gives the Holy Ghost permission to do it. But you, but you see, I'm trying to, to help you today. Yes. Hallelujah. No matter your need, uh, Jesus can provide it. Say amen. amen. Let, me, let me just say this. No matter, no matter what happens, listen to me please. In fact, you could even say this to your neighbor. No matter what happens, God will make it work together for good. You might be having one of those difficult moments. You know, some better 
preacher than me said, you're either going into a battle, going through a battle, or coming out of a battle. That's pretty much life on earth, you know. You know, because life is a lot of suffering. Let's be honest, it's a fallen world. Huh? But in the suffering, we find a redeemer and a savior. Hallelujah. Who turns it all around. But the point is this. You might, you know, whether you're not in a big crisis at the moment, probably there's one around the corner. There's always a Goliath lingering in the shadows somewhere, isn't there? And, and you know, and, t- and life can get pretty tough. Life can get pretty pretty tough and of course one of the great gospel uh, the great bible stories that helps us understand this is is the life of joseph because you know you find him like at the beginning and this is this is so good i love the way the lord sort of sets it all up so that we can understand it you know he, he gets joseph and he's the favorite kid with the nicest clothes who probably sits at the best place at daddy's table so everything's going right everything's going right and then God flips the switch. And he takes everything right to everything wrong. Because the golden boy now, with his multicolored coat, is suddenly being, being um, sold off, nearly murdered by his brothers, you know, but sold off to Midian slave traders, taken across to Egypt. And if you study your history about that era, when, when slaves were sold in the marketplaces of Egypt, they were literally stripped naked so that the landowners could come in and check them out from head to toe, literally. They would look in every orifice they could find to make sure there were no diseases, you know, infections, um, you know, to check out whether they were muscular enough. Because after all, it was an investment. They wanted to get a good day's work out of this slave. And so here you have Joseph on the one hand, daddy's boy, super clothed, well fed. And now you have Joseph without any clothes, without any friends, without any money or any contacts. Nothing. Just stripped of everything that he knew. Hello. But the Bible says God was with him. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. And if God is with you, my friend, then that makes all the difference. Because the devil can strip you naked, but your story doesn't end there. Hallelujah. The devil can strip all your goods and products and and despise you. And instead of being a favorite son, you're now a despised slave. But your story is not stopping there. This is the gospel. No matter what happens, God will use it. No matter how bad it happens, God's going to use it for your good, for something better in your life. Joseph here was daddy's favorite boy with a little bit of influence around the town or around the house. Now, Joseph here is Pharaoh's favorite boy with a whole lot of influence in the whole wide world. Shout amen, somebody! Going through a tough time? Get ready, get ready. Something good's coming your way. Shout amen. Hallelujah. And I'm going to call the, the, the tinklers, please, the tinklers, because they always buy me another five minutes. Amen. Hallelujah. I've sussed you pastors out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've sussed you out. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, yeah, the, the team can come. We might sing a song just to finish off with. Um, let, me, let me wrap up. I don't know how many of these I got through, but let me just say two quick things. No matter your weakness, God's got power for you. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit comes for two purposes, the scripture reveals. 
He comes to transform things and change things that you can't change in your own strength. Now, that's a pretty good thing. People need to know that. Isn't that right? Medicine didn't resolve, but the Holy Ghost could. Hello. Uh, hello. Your relationship's on the rocks and it all looks lost and a, a, uh, a psychologist can't help and a worldly counselor can't, but the deep moving of the spirit in the human heart can melt it and produce humility. And wow, and that heals, that restores. Uh, so there's things that the Holy Ghost, He, he comes uh, to help us do things that we can't do. But he also comes to console us, to comfort us, so that we can confront things that can't change. Because there are some things that can't change. And so it's a win-win package. You can't, you know, unless you resurrect somebody from the dead, if you lose a child or a spouse or, you know, that they're gone. That's, 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 you know, that hurts. That hurts. That's tears. That's trouble. You may have lost your innocence. Maybe you were hurt or abused or, you know, there's just such a list of what the devil gets up to. And you can't turn back the clock. It happened. And maybe, it would, you, you know, maybe you are. I mean, I know we're in a victim culture, but there are some people who are real victims. Hello. They didn't deserve to what they got. But the comforter, the counselor, the strengthener, he comes so that you can support it, confront it, get through it, laugh in the face of it, be at peace despite it. Use the test to be a testimony. Oh, glory be to God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God he's not left us as orphans here on earth, but he's with us unto the end of the age. No matter Listen to my no matters today. No matter your weakness, your trouble, your story, God's got the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. Hallelujah. And he'll dry those tears and put a smile on your face. And you know, it's just extraordinary. I have friends, dear friends, pastors in Florida. They had beautiful little boy beautiful little boy and I don't know I wasn't there but the ceiling came down in the building and the beautiful little boy wasn't anymore and it was really tough really tough but you know at the funeral it was extraordinary how the Holy Spirit came down and just wiped away the tears. And we had such joy. You know the scripture, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you think, how is that possible? How is it possible? It's such a tragedy. But I tell you, the gospel is good news. We're all passing through this world, but there's another world. There's another life. This is just so short. A little boy still lives. Still lives. 
He'll be raised in heaven instead of earth. I get that. I get that. But mom and dad will be united with him again on that great and glorious day. That's the gospel. There's hope no matter what happens, no matter the depth of the tragedy. There's always hope. There's always. God sussed it out. He's thought it all through. The worst, I mean, there's nothing, I can think of nothing worse on planet earth for somebody to do than to bury their own child. That's pain. But God's been there and he buried his own child and brought him up again. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows it all. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, crucified from before the foundation of the earth. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm, I know I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching through you here. I want you to repeat these words. The world needs to hear this good news. It does. Because we, it's such, it's so wonderful, so simple, yet so wonderful, so deep. It goes to the deepest parts of the human experience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to finish with this little story to wrap it up because I'm a preacher we like our beginnings middles and ends the last point no matter who has rejected you despised you forgotten about you God if you're in Christ has written your name on his hand and in a place in heaven called the book of life you don't need to try and be a somebody here on earth forget all that rubbish I tell you what people try and become famous or and this uh, I don't know if I want to enter this but there seems to be an obsession at the moment especially because of social media and I'm not against social media hallelujah but it's like it's not what you think it is honest It's like a mushroom. It's like the yeast of the Pharisees. It looks big, but really it isn't. You don't really influence people that much through Instagram. You really don't. I've got lots of followers, but I can assure you, how do I influence people by being with them? I don't mind the following thing and and all that, but it's not as big as you think. They're gone, they're here today and gone tomorrow. You know the crowd. One minute they're crying, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the name, the one who comes in the name. And the next minute they're crying, crucify him, crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. It's pretty fickle out there. So just touch these things with holy hands. With holy hands. I'm finishing. I got such good news. Gonna make you happy. You're gonna leave this place just jumping. Can I tell you? Your name in Christ, because of Christ. This is this is what's on offer. Remember Jesus, what he said. He said, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Wow. In other words, if you invoke the name of the Lord, if you call on the name of the Lord, if you say Jesus, which means Savior, one word and it saves you. I'm preaching as an evangelist now. It's just, it's just one sigh towards heaven can save a soul. Wow! 
That ain't a gospel of works, I tell you. Hello? So you say Jesus here, and he says Andrew there. That's pretty good. Before his father. You write Jesus on your heart here. He writes Andrew in his book there. That, and, and, and that's pretty good. Giles Dominic Stevens. In gold. Actually, in blood. Hallelujah. I went to, I travel a lot. I stay in a lot of houses, hotels, beds, wherever. Who cares? Once I went down to Sao Paulo and I was so thrilled because I got picked up at the airport and I got taken to this hotel, the best hotel I've stayed in in Brazil. And it was one of those ones that had this, you know, those big lobbies with marble floors and a chandelier. And I walked in there with my bag. I got to, there were two desks there at the front, two receptionists, and the lady behind the desk said, good afternoon, sir. Could I have your name? In Portuguese. So I said, Giles Stevens, and they don't know how to say Giles. So I said, Gilles, Gilles, Gilles Stevens. And she looked in her system. And, ah, Mr. Stevens, you're very welcome here. Just to let you know that your bill has already been paid for, including any expenses you have here at the hotel. We do have a Michelin star restaurant here, and there's a gym and a swimming pool, and your, how do we say, your frigo bar, your, your refrigerator, your mini fridge, mini bar, um, is, is fully stocked. Please use it at your will. Oh, and by the way, we've given you the top floor in the penthouse suite. I'm like, oh, hallelujah, amen, amen. My days of missionary life, sleeping on bamboo, on the bamboo, are over. God is honoring his servant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm sort of, my chest is sort of pumping up. And I'm thinking, yes, yes. Finally, somebody knows how to receive an evangelist in town. (laughs) But just as I'm sort of getting the Wi-Fi part, you know, that final bit of a check-in, a businessman walks in and goes to the other check-in spot. Same protocol your name, good afternoon, and he gives his name, and the lady there goes through the system, and she can't find his name, and he becomes mildly frustrated, a little bit annoyed, and she says to him, sir, perhaps it was booked in the name of your business, your company, Do you? and so, um, gives the name of his business, she goes through the system again, and perhaps they used your second name instead of your, first. goes, and and I could see this man who walked in, you know, in his Armani suit, looking slick and calm and dignified. I could see the temperature rising just by the color of his ears. And she checked again and, and, and she looked him in the eye and she said, Sir, I'm terribly sorry, but you don't have a reservation here. And the hotel is fully booked. You'll have to go somewhere else. That calm, dignified, slick-looking, Italian-suited man, I tell you, he looked like an angel when he came in, but he turned into a demon in front of us all. Wow. He began to cuss and swear and shout at her and complain and, you know, 
And I saw him, the last time I saw him, I saw him heading out of that hotel lobby, out onto the bustling, broken, dirty streets of San Paolo, ah, shouting and swearing. And you know what I did? I pressed P on the elevator. And I went all the way to the top. I opened that door, threw my things, uh, ripped open the mini fridge bar, threw Kit Kats and Mars bars and Coca-Cola on the thing, grabbed a TV remote, and I bounced onto my bed. Coke, chocolate, tea, done. The evangelist arrived. <laughs> But why did I do that? Why could I do that? Because my name was on the roll. My name had been checked in before I got there. Hallelujah. And obviously I'm not here talking about hotels or restaurants. I'm here talking about the kingdom of God, that glorious place in the sky that is so much better that the Lord's table there, you have a feast beyond description. You have comforts and pleasures evermore. You've got much more than a penthouse suite and much more than a mini fridge. I tell you, they're going to be dropping fruit into your mouth up there. You'll be satisfied in a state of ecstasy and glory in the presence of God. And not because you deserved it, but just because your name is on the roll. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. You may be poor. You may be suffering. You may have had a tough life. But this life is passing away. There's a life to come. I'm, a, I'm, a gospel, I'm, a, I'm an evangelist, I'm telling you. Evangelist is more interested in the next life than this life. It's our obsession to plunder hell and populate heaven. Shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a mansion waiting for you that Jesus has gone to prepare. Come on, I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching through you. You've got to tell the world this. I'm sure they'll all check in if they hear about the hotel I'm talking about. It's not the Hotel California. This is the, this is the hotel of heaven. Shout amen, somebody. And the only thing you need to do to get on the roll, to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, confess his name here, and he'll write your name there. Shout amen, somebody. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? Let's give the Lord a hand clap because that's all from his word. That's all from his word. That's all from his word. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for your patience. You bought me 10 minutes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I know it's late and, and, and all that. And so, you know, it, like I said at the beginning, it's always a bit of a, struggle for me to know what to talk about and which direction to go in. Um, I chose one road and I sensed the Holy Ghost was, was on that, was on that. I do love ministering and the power stuff as well, and, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to leave you with my blessing. And let's let, you know, we haven't got time for that because that can, I'll miss my flight. I'll miss everything. <laughs> and you'll, you'll miss your lunch. Um, and Andy will get in trouble, you know, and all, all that stuff. Um, but, but like I said at the beginning, it's, it's a joy to be here. And I believe that God connects people for divine purposes on earth. Amen. We're connected. Let's lift your hands. Let's lift your hands. Let me leave you with my blessing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word, which is truth, which is life, which is liberating. 
which is inspiring and joy-giving and hallelujah. Thank you for your gospel message. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and through Christ Jesus that produces peace beyond understanding and joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Lord, I leave my brothers and sisters here with the blessing of heaven. That Father, what was ministered to them today would encourage them, inspire them, fill them full of that peace and joy. And that Father, as they leave this place today, indeed, they would be sharers, communicators of that joy and of that message. They would be channels of your love, channels of your grace, channels of your glory. Wherever they go, may they shine the light Spread the love and reveal your glory. And it's all because of the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, there at Calvary. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for all you've done. You did it all. You did it all. You did it all. And you alone deserve the glory and the praise and the honor and the thanks. Hallelujah. And if you agree with that prayer, please shout amen. Three times is really loud. Amen. 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 And amen. Give him a great applause. And thank you so much.